Blog Talk Radio. you're joining us again today. We always welcome new listeners and old, or not old as in age, but old as in people who have gotten attuned to what we're doing here at A Better World month after month and year after year. It's, it's a real great pleasure to be of service. And today, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, we're going to have a very special show. We have two parts of today's show. The first, addressing health and Thanksgiving, two words that don't usually go together, but uh, today here on A Better World, you will be hearing about some ways to make Thanksgiving uh, novel and healthy instead of what it has been traditionally, because I have invited back to our airwaves Karen Ramsey. Uh, who is a nutritionist, who is the author of a wonderful book called Creating Health, uh, Healthy Children Through Attachment Parenting and Raw Foods. Karen has been really traveling the world, giving lectures and running workshops on these two really very important subjects of eating raw foods, sometimes preferred to be described as live foods, and uh, the recipes therein and how she has really helped to heal her own family, her children who suffered from allergies and all sorts of things, using uh, recipes in the live food um, world. And uh, she's gone on to become really quite an expert and inspiring many along that path. We'll be turning to her in just a moment. And the second half of today's show, we'll be looking at something that's going to be going on here in New York City next week with the Pachamama Alliance. The Pachamama Alliance is a really wonderful organization based in San Francisco, but it's actually international in its import. It is doing a huge amount of work in helping to, as they say, awaken and change the dream of we humans from a consumerist society to one that respects Pachamama, the Quechua word for Mother Earth or Gaia in the old Indian language of the Andes and the Amazon. And joining us for that will be John Symes, who is their outreach director. There's going to be a lot of activity in New York next week with a, a luncheon at Chelsea Piers, a free luncheon at that, which will be really a fundraiser, and a symposium 
uh, just over the river in Brooklyn on uh, work that the Pachamama Alliance is doing. It's fascinating work. It's helping to protect one of the two lungs of the world, the Amazon rainforest, and uh, way more than that. That's just, you could say, the tip of the iceberg, even though the iceberg is melting, which is why we invited John Symes on to join us to discuss how to reverse that, uh, that trend. So, first of all, let's think about what we're going to be eating tomorrow on Thanksgiving. And uh, it's really a blessing to have Karen Ramsey back on A Better World Radio. She's been also on A Better World TV, where uh, she really um, dazzled our audiences with her knowledge about raw foods and uh, what they can do for us. Karen, welcome back to A Better World. Thank you so much, Mitchell. Great to be here speaking with you again. Yeah, exactly. It's been a couple of years at this point. <laughs> yeah. Amazing how yes. time flies. And I remember last so really... time was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. Well, stay tuned because we're going to have a lot of fun again. <laughs> so Great. So will our audience. Great. Yeah. I love, Great. you know, I love opening up. Good. You know, I, I really think so well of your book, Karen. I want to just start with that and let people know Creating Healthy Children Through Attachment Parenting and raw foods, it was a, a mighty opus, a real effort she made to uh, present us all with two distinct but very complementary subjects in basically how to grow a family. Karen, could you talk about that a little bit to start with, and then we'll dive into Thanksgiving dinner? Sure. Well, I started the book um, on raw food for, for families, and I was writing all about nutrition and all of the different nutrients that children needed and um, how to get children to eat healthfully right from the start and getting plentiful amounts of raw food in from um, from preconception to pregnancy to raising healthy babies to uh, transitioning children who were already eating a standard diet to um, to a, a diet that's very high in raw. You mean sad, the food. standard American uh, the sad. Diet. That's right. Right, standard AKA American sad. Diet. Right, that's right. Yeah. And so many parents, when they find out about the benefits of raw food, they're very frustrated because their children are highly addicted to the processed and refined foods and animal foods, and they don't know how to do it. And so this book is yeah. a guide, and that's what I started out with. But I realized halfway through writing the book, that it's not all about food, that the emotional, mental, and spiritual aspects of raising healthy children cannot be ignored. Mm -hmm. You cannot have a healthy child through giving them food nourishment alone. There's a whole another part of nourishment. And that's there you what go, I really delved into. Yeah, that's when I really delved into the attachment parenting, which is, I would say, half yes. of the book. And the other half of the book is on food and nutrition and many other aspects of creating a healthy physical child. But the mental and emotional and spiritual part are definitely as important, and if not more you know, important. I'm, that's why I put it Karen, it's funny. in the subtitle. Yeah, exactly. This is, uh, you know, as you know, I'm a holistic psychotherapist and stress management consultant. And uh, while, of course, I pay attention 
to food and drink and exercise and rest and the like. I mean, after all, I've been a, a student of Gary Knowles for 25 years and as well as a friend and colleague and working with him on right. his uh, retreats Wonderful. around the country. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's no escaping, you know, a whole list yes. of way of uh, So you're very aware of the importance of nutrition, but in your I'm own background I'm very aware, but I'm also, be- because of my background in psychology and mind-body and neurophysiology, I'm very aware of the role that our emotions play in our digestion and our metabolism. So as you properly so said, you know, you could have an exquisite diet according to the books, even raw food to the hilt. But if you right. are sad, if you are angry, if you are depressed, if you, what mm-hmm. the vehicle that you're putting the food, good quality foods into isn't also matching the resonance of the food in some way, forget about it, as we say in Brooklyn. That's right. It's right? not going to digest. <laughs> However, exactly, it's not going to digest. What would you, let's assume that everybody is happy and in gratitude and giggly um, for this coming holiday. They'll be with their family, they'll be with friends, right? Relaxed, exactly. What what are a few suggestions that you would make to our audience? As far as nutrition or as far as bringing relaxation and calm? Well, let's let's focus on... You should see how relaxed my audience is. They are like meditating with fingers and mudras right now. Okay. I'd love to hear okay. Because that is from... a lot of what I do recommend during this time of year, which yeah. can be very stressful. So first of all, I can you know be. I recommend yeah. like what you're talking about with getting you know daily yeah. exercise and um, adequate sleep is is very important at this time of year that you're not overstressing so much that you're getting no sleep. Um, breathing, focus on your breathing and taking some deep breaths during the day. Um, also having a loving atmosphere in your home is super yes, important. Exactly. Um, and trying, you know, when you get into arguments about something, trying not to bring up the past and trying to focus on the present. Um, it's really nice to have music. Um, yeah, Mozart is really nice for children. Um, That's and what just we try open our show fun. with every week. You bet. That's you right. bet. And yeah. what would what should we have on the table? What what is a healthy, nutritious mm-hmm. Thanksgiving okay. in the Ramsey home? Okay. Well, I believe that it's vitally important to eat an abundance of nutrient dense raw vegan foods to energize and to keep your spirits up. When I I grew up um, on the standard American diet, um, to, but my mother was uh, eating the standard American diet. My father was a vegetarian, um, but I was always exposed to an abundance of fruits and vegetables, even though I chose not to eat it growing up. Um, and I still remember that at vegetarian family gatherings, um, that we always had a lot of very heavy foods. Um, in addition to some of the family members not being vegetarian, there was you know a lot of meat and of course turkey on Thanksgiving. Um, there was also a lot of um, pastas and breads and uh, and heavy 
complex carbohydrates, processed processed complex carbs that are hard mm-hmm. on the digestion. If you eat enough of it, at the end of the meal, it was hard for me to get up off my chair. And many of the yes. family members were sleeping, falling asleep after the meal. Um, and so when I went to raw foods 20 years ago, um, and I became 100% raw, I've been totally raw for 20 years, um, uh-huh. I found such benefits in it because all of a sudden I had this amazing amount of energy. And that's yes. from eating an abundance of fruits and leafy greens, which are crucial um, yeah. to get as much leafy greens in as possible and um, and some nuts and seeds. And so I focus the meal. Of course, I make special recipes for the holidays using those the abundance of those foods, the fruits, the leafy yeah. greens, vegetables, sprouts, nuts, and seeds. What, what, and what I make the, delicious what you would meals. Say, what is the, what you would call the re- turkey replacement? You know, that's the standard protein. Mm-hmm. Is it tofurkey? Right. Oh, is that what they call it? <laughs> um, well, I don't even yeah, like saying that word. But. I don't eat soy. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the soy today is genetically modified. How about um, the organic so, soy? Um, I don't believe you can always trust the organic soy. I think that, you know, Uh like 90% of the crop is supposedly uh, genetically modified, and I think that that can very well also lead to the, even the organic being influenced. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I also think that there's other qualities about soy that I, that I don't like. Um, I think it's hormonally unbalancing. And I, I just uh-huh. don't look at it as a health food. I used to. Well, when my kids yeah. were really young, I used to feed them loads of tofu. Um, but I, when I went to raw food, uh, I gave that up in place of getting my protein from leafy green vegetables and some from nuts and seeds and sprouts. We get plenty of protein. We don't need yeah, to worry uh-huh. about protein. And there's so many delicious foods that are extremely satisfying and nourishing that are filled with living life. You know, they're just life force and loaded with nutrients. Um, Raw food is so nutrient-dense, and that's why I love it so much. And and, and then the protein. I mean, spinach is 49% protein by calorie. Kale is 45% protein by calorie. Isn't that amazing? Most people don't realize that. Yeah. Right. Most people don't realize that the leafy greens really comport that amount of protein. That's yes. really good to know. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And so, you know, and I fiber have at the same time. That's right. The fiber is so important. You know, just getting all that fiber like soon after going raw, my digestion went from irritable bowel syndrome to no problems at all, just fantastic mm. digestion. And awesome. so, you know, so I make meals that are very satisfying, and um, I'll, you know, tell you what I'm bringing to uh, Thanksgiving at one of our family members' homes. Um, yeah, so please, I'm bringing, that would be great. That would be give people yeah. a really concrete, um, fluid, yes. a concrete idea. <laughs> right. So I am yeah. making um, raw veggie burgers. And um, that's one of the main parts of the meal. And that's with carrots. Of course. Without soy. It's got uh, lots of carrots in it, like five carrots Mm -hmm. 
and um, a whole bell pepper and some onion and an avocado and a lot of cumin. I love cumin. Mm. I put like a couple of tablespoons of cumin in there. It's a wonderful mild spice that really gives it some great flavor. And then I'm putting in some delicious fresh cilantro like a quarter to yeah. a half a cup of that, which also gives it a really great aroma and flavor. And uh, it's literally a five-minute recipe in the food processor. And you process that all up. And how does it stick up. together? What, what, what makes it cohere? Well, I think because of the carrots um, give it the wetness to help it stick together. The avocado okay. is very smooth yeah. um, and... Both of those really help this to stick together. Okay, that's and that's so you sticky. make it into patties and put it in a dehydrator. I put it like at 110 for seven hours, or it could go into a really low oven temperature. Yeah, you know, some of the newer ovens have very low settings as well. Um, so if somebody doesn't have a dehydrator, they could put it into an oven. Or some people just like it as is. But usually if you have a lot of carrots in it, it's going to be a little mushy. I like to dehydrate it for a while. Um, and yes, those are I delicious. See. Those are really well received when I go to events. So that's yes, one uh-huh. um, satisfying dish that I bring. Um, I nice. also very often prepare and do you a put any flour. spices in there too? Is it is it all cumin based or do you put other spices? Well, I as put well? cumin. Sometimes, in addition to the cilantro, I'll also put a little uh, coriander. Yes. So, uh, so well, it might what's have the some coriander, of the coriander and cilantro? Too. I thought were the same thing. Well, it basically is. the The cilantro is fresh, um, and so yes. I really like to put that in because you get an amazing aroma. But sometimes I'll also put in a little bit of the ground coriander. Okay, got it. Got it. So it's basically those okay. two those two spices. And I love the cumin. Mm-hmm. I put in quite a bit of it. I put in like a couple tablespoons. So wow. um, it's really got a nice flavor, and it's filling. It's got some kick. And yeah. It's got some kick. Um, yeah. I also um, often will bring like a cauliflower Spanish rice, which is another big hit. Oh. Um, and I am hosting in New Jersey – a Thanksgiving celebration, and people come uh-huh. from all around. I mean, it's like people heard about it, and like a hundred people are coming. I am like kind of scared. <laughs> it's uh-huh. going to be crazy, uh-huh. but it's uh-huh. um, you know just people wanting to celebrate this t- at this time of year when millions of turkeys are being slaughtered. We are going to be yeah. celebrating the life of the beautiful turkey, and everybody's bringing. Yeah raw vegan dishes to share, and um, I will probably make my cauliflower Spanish rice again for that. And last year um, I prepared that, and it was gone in like five minutes. And that's basically Uh using cauliflower as the rice. And you put cauliflower... Oh, so it's not real rice. So, But do you ever sprout rice? I believe I I've have had sprouted I don't rice. really like I don't do really well with grains. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I prefer cauliflower. Is that just you personally, I, or you don't recommend? Uh, many grains? there's many people who come to um, a raw vegan lifestyle and get rid of the grains. Um, most of the grains, other than millet, are uh, acid forming, and um, I prefer to eat more of the alkaline foods. And so cauliflower is much more alkaline as a vegetable. 
and yes. um, it, ta- it makes a delicious rice. And I just put it in the food processor and ground it down into a rice. And then okay, I add. So it, it's the appearance of rice. It's not rice as such, but it's. The... Oh no, it's not rice. It's cauliflower. Okay. It's cauliflower. But it's going to okay. give a similar taste. It's going to give a yes. similar taste, and it looks just like rice when you make this dish. Um, it's really beautiful. And I put scallions Tricking in it, fresh cilantro, and uh, soaked uh-huh. sun-dried tomatoes, avocado, mm. lime, cumin, um, red bell pepper I chop up, and I chop up tomato and put that in, those two in at the end after the rice dish, after the cauliflower rice dish is made, just to get that extra color in there. Um, the chopped yes, pepper right. and the tomato, and it's a fantastic dish, and everybody loves that. Jeez, so that's another so satisfying dish. Yeah, and so those yeah. are like typical dishes <clears throat> that I do on Thanksgiving. I also usually uh, bring a large green salad. Um, I eat loads of leafy green vegetables, and I was talking about protein, romaine lettuce, is a wonderful dark green that's about 34% protein by calorie. And mm-hmm. I love romaine lettuce. So I'll, I'll make a big bowl of chopped romaine lettuce with a, pist- a creamy pistachio dressing, which is also wow. really delicious and satisfying. Do you have to open up each pistachio nut? Do you have to open up each nut to throw it into the blender? Um, I usually get them already um, already with the, uh, with the already shelled. taken off. Yeah. Already shelled, right. yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. I use about and a half cup. And what do you add to it? I just use um I soak the pistachios like a half a cup of them. I soak them overnight to make them more digestible. Um because nuts are really, you know, more difficult to digest than fruits and vegetables and by soaking them yeah. you're releasing the enzyme inhibitors and making them easier on the digestion. Yeah. So in the morning I'll pour right. out the water, I'll put them in a blender with some freshly squeezed orange juice the juice of a lime, and a couple of stalks of celery and blend that up, and it is the most amazing, delicious, creamy God. dressing. Yeah, that So, and that's, awesome. the, that's the salad. Now, so do you also use onion, like red onion in that salad and garlic? Um, I sometimes or, put those in, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can add mm-hmm. whatever you want to make uh, to make delicious dishes. Um, I make a romaine sure. burrito, uh, not usually for Thanksgiving, but um, certainly for Cinco de Mayo. Unless you have a few Mexicans event. there, yeah. <laughs> so I was yeah, doing like a Cinco de Mayo event, and I I made a uh, romaine burrito where I had a walnut taco filling, where I processed uh-huh. up walnuts with some uh, um, some red onion and sun-dried uh-huh. tomatoes, and lemon juice, and cumin, and paprika, and um, made a delicious dish out of that, uh, grinding all that up and filling it inside romaine leaves. And that was a delicious Oh, nice. Taco. Nice. Let's, yeah. let's, you know, okay, you've replaced the turkey. You've added all sorts of interesting raw ingredients. It sounds like a delicious salad with pistachio dressing. Um, now, what about another big part of uh, traditional Thanksgiving is, well, potatoes, like yams. Do you, mm-hmm. do you deal with yams at all? Or, 
Any potato? You know, some years I do. This year I haven't planned on it, but last year I made a delicious uh, sweet potato souffle. Nice. Um, and I also did that in the food processor as well, and it was um, a bunch of sweet uncooked. potatoes chopped up, uncooked, totally uncooked. Do you, do you boil them? No. Do you boil I the sweet potato them? is awfully, yeah. Right, but if you grind it down into very small yes. parts, almost like I did yes. with the cauliflower, um, uh-huh. and I do that in the food processor, and I add soaked dates to it, you know, most of those sweet yeah. potato dishes are sweetened in addition to the sweet potato. Um, uh-huh. So I've seen some recipes have things like maple syrup in them. Um, I yeah. put dates in. So I will soak I dates and um, put that in the food processor with the sweet potato. And yeah. uh, and I will add some maybe cinnamon. And that I will be see. it. I only need a couple of ingredients. Some wow. people also like to add some chopped pecans yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's funny. a really that's delicious, and so creamy... Do ever, but do you ever take a yam and boil mm-hmm. it, or is that against your life? Oh, it's, not, it's certainly food. not against rules, and, you know, I have no rules at all. I have, um, other than, I mean, I do have some rules. Let me not say I don't have any. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I always recommend to um to my attendees I have a 5 week raw food group coaching program I do two a season and uh-huh. uh, we make recipes in all the classes um and one of the things I do recommend to them is to um to gradually move away from animal flesh and animal products because most of yeah. the problems that I see out there most of the people who are getting sick are eating animal foods and I yeah. totally believe And these in, days, it's yeah. getting so mm-hmm. dicey. I mean, we're not going to... That mm-hmm. would require a whole other two-hour show to talk about what's yes. happening to our food supply. But um, I, let me ask you, in our remaining minutes here, uh, mm-hmm. it's so important that for a good Thanksgiving that we have a good dessert. What do okay, you do? Okay, I got a good one for you. <laughs> okay. Well, persimmon... Um, and many people don't even know this delicious fruit, persimmon. It yeah. is amazing. Yeah. And uh-huh. persimmon is in a lot of the markets and health food stores and even supermarkets. Yeah. And um, uh-huh. it's ver- it's got to be very, very ripe and gooey. And so uh-huh. when it gets really ripe and gooey, you can make a delicious persimmon pie. And you can do all kinds of other things with it, too, but I love doing persimmon pie. So that will be our dessert tomorrow. And what I do is I make a crust with soaked dates and um, and dried mulberries, organic dried mulberries. And I first put those in the food processor, the dates and the mulberries, and grind that up into a crust, and I fill the bottom of a pie plate with it. And then I take those... Oh, and I also, um, to the crust, I'll also add about a teaspoon of ground cinnamon um, and Mm -hmm. blend that up with it, too. And then after I put that crust into the pie plate, I will take those persimmons and I will squeeze the inside into the food processor and process that all up, and I will put it on top of the crust. It makes the most delicious pie, and I will refrigerate it. And in the refrigerator, it solidifies into a gel. 
and it makes the most beautiful, delicious pie ever. I made it for my class a couple weeks ago, and they went crazy for it. Um, I also have a YouTube video on it if ever, if anybody wants to see the exact measurements, you know, of each yeah. ingredient. It's on my um, my YouTube channel, Super Healthy Children, and you can just um, put in persimmon pie, and it will come up. It's one of my most recent recipe that videos. Gooey, gooey persimmon pie. I have one yeah. last question for you, Karen, because sure. we're just about out of time here. What time is dinner? What time usually? Um, for Thanksgiving? I, I'm, I'm going to be there. Oh, <laughs> five o'clock. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Don't eat, don't eat too late, yeah. folks. Yeah, no, this is all going to be good, and everybody can do this it. It's fabulous. not complicated. Raw food. You really helped to, to make. You really helped to make the thought of a transition from your standard you know, standard fare of Thanksgiving into what could be a highly novel and creative one that's incredibly healthy and satisfying. That's That's what I got from all that you were sharing with us, Karen. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? It's also easy. Yes, and easy, and easy. Give Mm -hmm. everyone your website so they can uh, stay in touch, get in touch, learn more. Sure, my website, and it's uh, for adults and children, even though the website is um, sounds like it's only for kids. It's for parents, it's for individuals, and I've got loads We're of recipes. We're all children at heart. We're all children That's at right. heart, Karen. It's okay. That's right. It's superhealthychildren.com, and my recipe book is there also, Raw Vegan Beautiful. Recipe Fund for Families. Wonderful. And you have your... Uh, five-week courses that you offer twice a year. You have Cinco de Mayo for a little Mexican accent. Hmm? Right. I I offer my class two times every season. Every season? So it's more like seven or eight times a year. So got it. Yeah. Got it. Wonderful. Go visit Karen. And it's a lot of fun in New Jersey. And she'll keep you well fed. Karen Ramsey, thanks so much for uh, joining us again. Thank you so much, Mitchell, for all that you do. Thank you. My pleasure. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll talk soon. You have a happy Thanksgiving, too. Thanks a lot. Enjoy. Five o'clock. I got it. See you soon. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Karen Ramsey, beautiful, beautiful work. She's a lovely woman. She's been on before, and that's why we wanted to have her on again. It's been a couple of years now, but she's done wonderful work in the domain of of healthy eating, but also in parenting, attachment parenting, very powerful, really how to love up your children and create a sense of trust and bond and reliability in a really healthy way. It's it's beautiful work, so I really recommend it. Now, a little transition, talking about transitions, uh, this time to the larger picture of what we have going here on our entire planet, dealing not just with food supply, but uh, the entirety of our food chain, you could say, and our ecosystems. The work of the Pachamama Alliance 
is really quite exemplary in this way. And uh, we have dealt with the Pachamama Alliance before, actually, last December, when A Better World was just straight behind their, uh, their symposium that took place in New York City on the Upper West Side that was just sizzling with information and with heart, where people who came, it's a free symposium, we'll be learning more about it from the outreach director, John Symes, in just a moment. Uh, we have a chance to learn about this again because this week is Thanksgiving, we know, and next week is another way to honor the indigenous people and all people, actually, and we'll be getting to that in just a moment. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio, Eastern Standard Time, although I know most of you do listen in archive. That's fine. But know that it's always fun to have you listening live while it's all in motion. And also because uh, with some regularity I do shows just myself and you, the audience, and I so welcome and appreciate your direct input to me, whether it's questions about anything or comments about anything. And, uh, you know, we're very holistic here and very open-minded and very welcoming in engaging the a better world community to participate in what we're doing in a kind of a hands-on, voice-on way. And if you don't yet get subscribed to our free newsletter, make sure to go to www.abetterworld.tv. That's abetterworld.tv. I don't think we need the triple W's these days anymore. We all sort of know. And uh, there you will find uh, how to get the newsletter. You'll find a number of things that address what we could call as inner ecology and a lot of things we call outer ecology. So we're always dealing with the through line between our own personal health, consciousness, and well-being and the world that we create on our outside, which is, in effect, a manifestation of the contents of our minds. So thank you all for joining, and now we'll be turning our attention to my dialogue with John Symes. John, as I mentioned, is the outreach director with the Pachamama Alliance, and he's responsible for taking the transformational education of Pachamama to audiences and partners around the world. All of this is led by the mission, quote, bringing forth an environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilling, socially just human presence on this planet. Earlier in John's career in the U.K., he set up and ran a successful business consultancy, coaching and training executives with major multinational companies around the world, which I believe now he is seeking to change the minds of because they may be doing more harm than good, but not when John gets hold of them or Pachamama. Things change, which is why I want to have John and Pachamama featured on A Better World to help all of us follow this glorious path. Ultimately, 
John did leave that path behind in search of a more meaningful contribution to the world. And in his 2006 publication, Your Planet Needs You, he mapped the challenges we face in creating and living a new future. This book and his passion for sharing its message in practical ways was so resonant with the work of the Pachamama Alliance that he was invited to join that team in San Francisco. He and his wife relocated there and live in San Rafael, uh, California, nearby. Since then, he has helped develop this message and take it far around the world, including China, New Zealand, Ecuador, Ireland, India, and across the United States. So with that, I want to really welcome John Symes to A Better World. Hi, John. So glad to have you. Thank you, Mitchell. It's a pleasure to be here. It really is. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It takes a lot of hands on deck to kind of do the work that we have in mind. Uh, we've gone down one path for so long, John, that to when you have a large vessel, as we all know, it's not so easy to change its direction. Yet, with persistence and commitment, that direction can and will be changed. Correct. I agree. And the, the, uh, the image of a large vessel needing to shift direction is a really apt one. And uh, somebody wiser than me observed uh, a few years ago that in a big vessel like that, there's a rudder, and we're familiar with what the rudder does, but on, a, on one of these super yeah. tankers, the rudder is so big, there's actually a smaller rudder called the trim tab that begins to turn the rudder itself. So you need a, you need a rudder on the rudder. Yes, and, and, exactly. and so if you make that little shift of the little rudder on the larger rudder, yes. it begins the process of moving the rudder itself, and that begins the process of shifting the direction of the tanker. So... You know, I, I, my sense is that we're, we, we're um, uh, needing to amplify the voice that is that, that trim tab. We are the, speaking to the people who can begin the process of, of change. It's, it's underway, but can amplify the process of change. And um, so even these big super tankers, you know, there is a small place where it's possible to see how the change can begin and be amplified. So that's what gives us Absolutely. Art. Absolutely, and I think that's right on, right on point, right on point. Tell us to start with, John, a little bit about the history, the founding and the history of the Pachamama Alliance, what it's been doing and what it's doing now. Yeah, that's, it's a beautiful story, and it's a story that's a great example of a phenomenon that's happening around the world um, where uh, indigenous people are actually deciding that they have some wisdom to share and are stepping forward to share uh, insights and wisdom that they've that, that have sustained them for for generations in this case in the rainforest of ecuador so to all of us the people listening today imagine you're in the middle of the rainforest imagine you're in on um in pristine rainforest and uh, you uh, encounter a tribe of people that live in that rainforest who rise every morning before dawn to share the dreams they had the night before and who interpret those dreams to give them direction for the day, direction as a community. And uh, if we went back 20 or 30 years, we'd find that the dreams of the elders, the wise people in the Achua nation, 
in the rainforest in Ecuador, these elders were beginning to have dreams that showed that a threat was coming towards the Achua people. And uh, we know that's a part of the rainforest that uh, um, uh, uh, is being explored for uh, oil production. So the Achua mm -hmm. somehow sensed this threat and determined to make contact with the modern world. So this was a time before the, the, the Achua were in, in this time almost um, still one of the uncontacted people of Ecuador. For them to make contact with the modern world was unheard of, but they did. In this brave move, they, they asked for partnership with people from the modern world. And so, you know, when that message w found its way to people from North America who, who visited the Achua deep in the jungle in Ecuador, we formed a partnership we call the Pachamama Alliance. And, mm -hmm. um, and so the Pachamama Alliance is a response to an invitation from indigenous people uh, asking for partnership, asking for the help and support of the modern world, but also seeking to share their wisdom with the modern world. That's the beautiful origin of the Pachamama Alliance. Yeah, it really is. And so, uh, who is it that the and in what way did the Achua people reach out to the modern world? Because the modern world is rather large. Well, the 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 contact to the modern world came in two ways. One was through some uh, people who had made contact with the neighboring people, the Schwa people, neighbors of the Achwa in the jungle, mm -hmm. and word reached out into the uh, world outside of the jungle through those contacts. But interestingly, the message was also received by people in the U.S. in their dreams. And the Achwa mm. are a dream culture. People. They interpret yeah. dreams. They spread uh, messages through dreams. So I, I love to imagine this process of the elders of that nation sending out an invitation in dream space, which was picked yeah. up by two people here in North America. I love that there are ways of communicating around the world that we don't even understand. Um, yes. But, but yes. actually... It's almost like uh, the actually, way whales or dolphins communicate in sonic frequencies that are not able to be heard by uh, the human ear. And yet we have instrumentation that detects those frequencies, and we know that they are communicating. Yeah, beautiful. A lovely parallel. Thanks, Mitchell. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that was the inception that was the birth if you will of the pachamama alliance and i describe john and please correct me if i have this wrong but the word pachamama is the word essentially for earth and more earth mother and gaia which is a wonderful word we have really from the ancient greek uh but that uh lovelock um began using some years back, and Pachamama is actually a Quechua word, which is the Indian, the indigenous Indians of the Amazon, uh, and so it's sort of the Gaia equivalent in Quechua. Is that a is that accurate? That's perfectly true. And um, I was interested, even just recently, to discover that in Quechua, there's one word that means um, planet Earth when you refer to it as, if you, if, if I may as a, an orbiting rock, a rock orbiting around the sun. But when you refer to it as a living entity um, with, a, with a dimension uh, akin to Gaia, 
Then you use this other yes. word, which, which is Pachamama, the spirit of oh. Earth, the living system of Earth, the, yes. the, 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 the spiritual force of our mother. And so, yes, yes, that's the sense of Pachamama. That's beautiful. And so what now, John, is the Pachamama Alliance doing to uh, uh, take the dream and do something that will help Pachamama, Gaia, to live a more sustainable life without the threat that human beings are so obviously posing? Well, um, our work has consistently been in two domains. We continue to work to support the Achua people and the neighboring uh, indigenous groups that live in Ecuador and uh, nearby Peru, uh, Brazil, and uh, Bolivia. So we're working with people there to help them protect their way of life and protect the forest in which they live, which we know is a key part of the uh, of the, the the planetary system, the lungs of the earth. So we sure. continue to work uh, in partnership with people in, in that part of the world. But at their request, and we translated their request as, as a, a request to help change the dream of the modern world. They might say, we in the modern world are living in the wrong dream. We're living mm-hmm. in a dream of separation from the natural world, competition with each other, the quest for accumulation, the quest for success and the illusion of progress. They would label that as the dream of the modern world and and their invitation to us was change the dream of the modern world. And that's a bit of a, that's a a large invitation to respond to. Yeah, Uh, uh, a bit of a challenge. How do you you change a culture? (laughs) And... uh, you know, we're back to the, 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 the lovely image that you began with, you know, the image of the, the great tanker changing direction. Yeah, and so we're at work, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, we're at work activating human beings, those of us who live in the modern world, you and me and others, to be mm-hmm. the change agents in the modern world. We have a, a system in which, um, you know, there are major players that determine how we live in the modern world. You might say government is one of the players. You might say the commercial world or, or the corporate world is a player. But there's another key player that we're uh, uh, seeking to activate and amplify, the, the voice of you and me as citizens. And that's really the focus of the other strand of our work, is how can mm-hmm. we activate us as citizens to call for that beautiful image that we have in our mission that you read before, uh, that yeah. we as citizens can be calling for and contributing to our movement towards being environmentally sustainable, spiritually fulfilled, and socially just as a people living on this planet. And um, mm-hmm. so to, to, to support us doing that, we've developed a program. We boldly call it the Up to Us program because we believe it is up to us to stand up as citizens, to stand up and declare what we see is right and necessary. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're so grateful to the bold people of Ferguson, Missouri, who are standing up. They know it's up to us. It's up to mm-hmm. us to demand a change to the structures that we live within that mm-hmm. discount the value of black lives in our law enforcement process. So that's a great, yes. very current example of how we know it's up to us. The call for yes. change, the demand for change, the impetus for change will come from we the people. And so our job is to activate and educate we the people. 
We do that through a series of events. The, the Up to Us program is a series of events. It includes that symposium that you referred to in your introduction, um, mm -hmm. as well as uh, an education program. We call it the Game Changer Intensive. Another component mm. of Up to Us is that we gather together in local groups, in local areas, as citizens, as a... I like to think of it as a, Mitchell, as a mobilizable force of citizens. You know, mm. when, we, when we know ourselves as citizens, when we know our power as citizens, when we are connected as citizens, we're a mobilizable force. We saw some of that on the streets of New York just a few weeks ago with the climate march, and uh, we're seeing it on the streets of Ferguson. We're seeing it on the, we're seeing it in in in. Um, uh, all sorts of different issue areas, all sorts of different places around the world where the voice of we the people is needed yes. and is coming forth to create the change we want. So you, uh, you know, you really beg the question here at the uh, bottom of my email signature on the emails I send out, and I send many. It says uh, the famous quote from Margaret Mead, famous anthropologist, quote, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has, she says. Well, we can still enlarge that small group of thoughtful, committed citizens, and uh, clearly Pachamama is doing that. I'd like to ask you, I, well, first of all, let's just make reference to what's going on in New York next week, and then I'd like to kind of take a, a larger view of the work that you have done spearheading uh, groups in symposia in places like New Zealand and China. So mm -hmm. what, what, John, is happening in New York next week for those of our listeners who are local? Yeah, thank you. There are, there are three events next week. On Thursday the 4th, uh, we'll have our annual New York fundraising event. It's a luncheon, and in... Uh, uh, a short and powerful 90 minutes. We'll tell the story of the Pachamama Alliance, what we're up to now, and we'll ask everybody there to dig deep in their pockets and uh, fund the programs that we are rolling out around the U.S. and around the world. That's uh, Thursday. And uh, on Saturday... And where is that late place? Uh, that is... Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point you to our website where all of these details are. Uh, but it's in Manhattan. But we actually have it on. We have it all. We have Pachamama front, front and uh, center at a betterworld.tv, and it's going to be at the Chelsea Piers. That wasn't a trick question, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's you. the Chelsea Piers at 23rd and uh, the Hudson River. And uh, if yeah. you go to a betterworld.tv, we have it right smack there, staring at you. Please Thank go on. Thank you. At 12 o'clock. Thank, sure. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> And um, and then on the uh, Saturday and Sunday of uh, the weekend following, the 6th and 7th, we've got two separate events. But the Saturday event is uh, it's the symposium that we've spoken about, with the full title, The Awakening the Dreamer, Changing the Dream Symposium. It's a four-hour inquiry into um, the questions, is a different world possible? And uh, we hope you'll conclude with us that a different world is possible. And the question then, what can we do about it? What can I do about it? And we'll, we'll help you with that inquiry if you come to that event on Saturday the 6th. Um, yes. 
and and that is being held. That's in uh, Brooklyn uh, on Water Street. Again, I'm going to uh, give you the address of our website where all of this information is available in a in a in a moment. Um, yeah. So a wake up yeah. event uh, on on Saturday the sixth, and there's uh, you know there's space still there for uh, lots more people to come along and join the crowd uh, to to inquire into. Um, how best we can contribute to to that better world. And, well, you know, uh, John, last week, yeah. last year, I, I hope I'm signed up for that because I'd really like to attend. And what's funny is last year I attended it after I went to the mm-hmm. luncheon and I got very uh, – I knew of the Pachamama Alliance for some many years, actually, but I never really got into the, the quick of it. And uh, last year I did, last December – in the same way that you're offering this year, by first attending the luncheon, make a better world, made a, it, the donation as best it could, and then attended the symposium that followed, and it was so powerful, and I was so moved, and I was so in, I so enjoyed the community of people who were caring and committed to world outcomes along these lines with these values that I want to do it again. Honestly, mm. I want to attend again this year. That's how Well, I awesome hope you'll be there. I feel it I is. will be there in person, Mitchell, and thank you for that, that really heartfelt yes. testimonial about the power of the symposium. You know, I often think that there is a place in every human heart that longs for a sustainable and socially just and, and um, mm. spiritually fulfilling future. There's a place in every heart. Um, I agree, John. Uh, Veiled to some degree. The symposium is one of those um, uh, yeah. tools that can repeatedly, guaranteed, reach that place in people's hearts and find and, and open up our desire to live for, live toward, create for our children, our, our, our grandchildren, a world that works for everybody. And uh, the symposium does really that work consistently. You know, Everywhere talk about raw food. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about raw food on the first half of today's show, this is yeah. another form of raw food. <laughs> wow. That's you know, beautiful. you really get yeah. in touch with your heart. Yeah. You know what I mean? You really yeah. do. You, you yeah. see before your very eyes, a lot through video, amazing video footage uh, of what we have done to our precious planet. And and you almost experience it, I mean, I did, as though it really were a part of your own body. And you would never inflict this kind of pain and really torture on oneself. Just it's not possible. Yet we do it to our fellow creatures all over and sentient life uh, in the form of Gaia. And uh, then, after taking good stock of what we have done in some measure, then you brilliantly turn it around, John, into how can we become part of the solution? How can our lives reflect the solution? instead of being part of, let's say, the consumerist model, greed-based, reptilian, uh, rooted problem. (laughs) I love the way you talk about the work that we do, Mitchell. It's a a, a real gift. Thank you. I can, and I, 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 um, 
I hear in what you're saying the impact that this message has had on on you. So, so thank you. And and I well, I also as with mention, you, you know, it, this has been a part of my life for decades, uh, and I feel the yeah. the Pachamama style of articulating the issue and the resolution is just a resonant in resonance with me, John. So I honestly feel there are lots of groups that I deal with and I don't always feel the same way, even though I wholly stand behind their work too. I feel there's something, an energy field that got generated through your collective work in Pachamama that uh, really speaks to the issues at hand. So I, I really thank you all. I really do. Yeah, well, thank you. If Please go on. I want to know. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, that field that you refer to is perhaps because we start, st- try to stay true to the original call that came out of the rainforest. Yes. And, and, and I hope through my role and through this event on Saturday that that call will reach even more people. And yes. one of the ways that people can respond to the call to contribute to a sustainable, just, and fulfilling future is to get involved in propagating our work, in sharing our work, in having it spread. And we've already got a very active group in New York, New Jersey, that that sort of New York, New Jersey metro area. And Mm -hmm. on Sunday, the 7th, we're also holding a day for that group to invite new people, new volunteers to come in to join that team that organizes up to us activities in, in the metro area. And so I'll be leading that day. It's my thrill to be back in New York and to uh, be talking to some of these amazing committed volunteers and to be welcoming new people into that day to say, hey, come find a role in helping make this symposium available to other people, bring other people into the work of the Pachamama Alliance, bring other people into finding their own contribution to a better world, bring other people into the opportunity to be part of this mobilizable force of citizenry that we're building, that is already being built and that's growing through our efforts, the efforts of other groups too. So on the 7th, there's a community day for people who wish to organize the the work of the Pachamama Alliance, uh, the volunteer team that do that in uh, New York, New Jersey metro area. And so um, details for that are on the website. The opportunity to RSVP for that is at the website. It's a free event. I'll be facilitating it. I'll be thrilled to do that. And the outcome from that will be to strengthen the volunteer team, expand it um, in in New York so that the message gets out further, faster, and louder. I love it. Mm, That's what we're up to. That's great. That's great. That's great. Uh, I may not be able to be there. I, uh, I'm not going to be in town that day as it stands now. If something changes, I'll certainly be there. But I'd like to ask you, uh, you have started so many initiatives of similar ilk around the world. Give us an idea of the scope of the work of Pachamama Alliance. Well, we've been astonished by the number of places in which uh, this message has found resonance, places we haven't even aimed our communication at. We've had calls coming in to us from 
China and from India, from all sorts of places in Europe, from Ghana in the in Africa. One of my favorite stories is about a a, Ghan, a Ghanaian student who got in touch with us uh, by internet was horrified to to discover the deforestation that was happening in his own country in rural Ghana, and he uh, got in touch with us. And he became, um, he equipped himself to be able to deliver this event, the symposium. He got the materials to deliver the symposium. He hired a transformer and a projector and traveled six hours through the bush to get to this remote rural location where he got the entire community together and took them through this wake-up event, at the end of which he said, now, are we still going to chop down the forest around us? And a community mm. said, no, we can't do that. So, <sighs> so in a place we couldn't have dreamed of reaching, this message had somehow percolated, activated yeah. Awal, this amazing young man in Ghana, and had him uh-huh. hold that conversation with the, the village in, in, uh, in the forest. Uh, that's one of the oh, examples of how this message is working. But I've sat in, exactly. in, in villages, I've sat in universities, I've sat in some of the largest organizations, businesses in the world, in government organizations, and um, this message strikes that place in the human heart that longs for peace and justice. That's beautiful. I, I'd like to know, do you have any idea through your work and Pachamama Alliance in general, when you say you've gone to China and New Zealand and Australia and so many other countries doing outreach, uh, are you talking about you've made contact with thousands of people or tens of thousands or hundreds, do you know, of, thousands. hundreds of thousands? I mean, do you have any scope as to what the outreach has been? Well, we're very clear it's a six-figure number. We, we would hope uh, uh, it's a seven-figure number. Um, there's certainly hundreds of thousands of people, in, uh, and we know the message has been translated by volunteers into at least 18 languages um, in 83 countries at the last count. So it, it's see. difficult for us to measure that kind of viral explosion accurately. Um, sure. When so much of this work is transmitted by volunteers in in in, uh, in goodwill, uh, in ways that we we don't even know about sometimes, uh, but we, yeah. we we have a sense that our impact is of that scale, and um, and what I love is that any one person. I mean, I, I I heard a beautiful story about somebody who ran a symposium. A volunteer created an event. And was really disappointed that less than less than ten people showed up to the event. But one of those people was a woman that worked inside the second largest defense contractor, you know, arms manufacturer in the USA. And she spoke to her colleagues inside that organization and from that came the invitation for us to bring the symposium message inside the military industrial complex on Earth Day, I think it was three years ago, uh, there we uh-huh. were beamed out to locations all across the USA with this message of, of hope and possibility and, and uh, the awesome. belief in a different future. So awesome. amazing things happen. It's, uh, it's really yeah. a, a joy you to You never know. You enter the quantum field, 
and it's the field of possibility, and you don't know what's going to emerge, but it's going to be beautiful, you know. I'm Very glad true. you know that field so well, Mitchell. I can I can tell that you <laughs> resonate with that field. We hang out yeah. in that field over here at A Better World, John. <laughs> yeah. um, let me yeah, ask yeah. you, when you give an example in our in our last several minutes, I'd love to hear what this looks like when I know you've approached corporations. You just gave an example of it. Uh, when you go into a corporation, who comes at the corporation? Who's listening? Who's tuned in? And what happens as a result? Well, I, you know, there's, there's, this, there's this really interesting thing that, you know, when we go into corporations, uh, if we go in on a weekday, and, you know, uh, the, the uh, women and the men that are working there are um, besuited. You know, they're dressed for their work in service of the corporate mission. We sometimes yeah. find that, that, um, that, that it, it, it's a little more difficult for people to hear what we're saying. We know uh-huh. that exactly those same people experience the event on a weekend or in their own time, you know, uh, uh, dressed yeah. casually and... and that that same place exists in the human heart that can be touched, and and so yes. what, what we what we see is some beautiful bold people who are willing to say, well, I'm going to take this awareness that I have as a as a mother, as a father, as a brother or a sister. I'm going to take that into my workplace, where yes. you know, let's be honest. Some in, in in many ways, corporations are are set up inside what we call the modern dream to maximize yes. profitability. Um, often, you know, the methods that, that have become normal in our world involve the exploitation of the natural world and sometimes the exploitation of other people. We've gotten yeah. ourselves trapped inside a system in which that happens. And yeah. I know that because I used to be trapped in that system myself. I used to participate in yeah. it fully, you know. And, yeah. and, and so, so I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just acknowledging that we're, we're, we're caught inside a system which which has normalized behavior of that that kind and in some way yeah. you know it's going to be it's going to be the 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 work of these next years to change what's normal and to revert yeah. to the older normal the real ancient wisdom of what's normal and the ancient wisdom of what's normal is that we're we're completely interconnected you and I with the world around us in in all the life forms on it and that we we can't separate ourselves. I can't win at your expense, or us win at the expense of the the trees and the oceans. So, exactly. you know, the, the the process we're engaged in is to bring that old ancient normal back into the forefront. Yes. And uh, well, you know, uh, you know, it's interesting because uh, the point is one of them is that the information that uh, Pachamama Alliance and many of us have been uh, educating others about and promulgating in general is really uh, a series of values and priorities, sort of uh, a how-to once you get your values in place. (laughs) There are priority steps, action steps to take. And a lot of those action steps would begin at least to reduce the profitability of a company. Um, And while it would long-term be profitable, it would really be changing its culture, which we all know is really a challenging thing for human beings. 
uh, despite the reality of neuroplasticity, we live as though we've been a bit fossilized in general. No pun intended there. Um, and uh, the idea of reducing the amount of uh, profit coming in on a quarterly basis is anathema to the corporate world as it exists. So that's why I asked who in the various respective corporations are being reached, because if the top-level decision makers would be reached, they would probably look at this and say, yeah, we understand why you feel the way you feel and are doing what you're doing, but our obligation is to our shareholders by law, by corporate you know, agreement, and yeah. we must do the things we're doing ongoingly to fulfill our legal commitment and requirement to our shareholders. Yeah. And and what I know is how In other words, we're asking them to act contrarily to an actual legal uh, you know, official agreement they've made. Now, I think they should rescind that, and the laws should be changed, and the corporate sta- um, the corporate mission statement should be altered dramatically to include um, that there will always be some, there can be always profit. Well, not always. There's that an effort to within a structure that would require respect for natural life, ecosystems, and human life. You know, there are yeah. ways of rewriting that. I've actually rewritten it. Um, it can be done, and it can be abided by. But yeah. your thoughts? Well, I, thank you. I think there's a, there's a couple of really interesting things. Um, you know, we, we, we look at the corporate world, and we see that many many organizations are still operating in uh, the way that their charter would hold them operate to maximize profit uh, over and above, yes, uh, their concern for human health, yes, their concern for the, the health of the natural world, that, that, that we've created this bizarre situation in which that is the priority set for people that are leading organizations. And, and we see that many organizations that are, that are uh, still caught inside of that. But what we also know yeah. from, from conversations that we have is there's a deep commitment to the inquiry of how on earth are we going to extricate ourselves from this, this situation. So within yeah. corporations, at the executive level, there are already conversations underway, and, and, it, and it's, it's a very serious conversation about how can we um, shape ourselves for the next stage of corporate evolution in which, mm-hmm. quite frankly, the, the, the citizens of the world will no longer tolerate that we operate in the way that's been okay in the 20th yeah. century. So, yeah. so what I'm heartened by is to know that there, are, there is a serious conversation going on about that, and our job yeah. is to support that conversation, amplify that conversation, insist that conversation happens. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I know that it is. Uh, yeah. And I'm, so I'm heartened by that. I also know that there's a lot of work going on in all sorts of interesting places to develop alternative models, alternative models for economies, alternative models for commerce, alternative models for economics and for finance. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think we've got time to discuss all of those, but there's, you know, just in the strangest places, 
in some of the Andean nations, in fact, in Ecuador, where our roots are as an organization, the government yes. there has a commitment to find a way of living out a philosophy that comes from the indigenous people, a philosophy of buen vivir, plentiful living. It's, it's, it's a little bit more than I have time to explain right now, but it's, yes. the, it's, the, it's pointing to an entirely new relationship in which we're not seeking progress and economic growth for the sake of those. We're seeking to establish ways in which everybody is cared for and supported in the community. And that win, whole win. countries would win, write win. their constitutions to support that happening is yes. a key breakthrough in the paradigm, um, the, 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 at the level of the paradigm of our worldview. So um, yes. I'm heartened to know yes. that that's happening. And so I, we, I am too. And Ecuador is known, of course, as having the uh, perhaps one of the most indigenously based and earth-friendly uh, constitutions on the planet. So you're absolutely. obviously making reference to that as well. We've run yeah. over today, but I'm gonna I'm gonna surmise that some of what you were just referencing, John, about uh, local economies and new ways of thinking in a win-win uh, kind of new model uh, is going to be touched upon in the symposium? It will be for sure. And I want to point people, if I may, Mitchell, to our website. I know you've featured it on yours. Sure, but if absolutely. But if I can point people to ours, because it's a treasure trove of information, and it's a portal it to get you to those events in New York next week, should you choose to be there. And the website is very simple. It's pachamama.org. O-R-G, but let's spell Pachamama for everybody if we can. It's P-A-C-H-A-M-A-M-A, Pachamama, Pachamama Pachamama.org. Please go visit the website and find out uh, more about what we're up to, more about how you can get involved uh, really in being part of that citizen's voice, the citizen's muscle so needed in the world right now, so visible in the world right now, let's join our voices, join our hearts, join our, our hands into that effort, and we can create a future that our, our um, children and grandchildren will be truly proud of. Mm, that's beautiful, John Symes. I so appreciate your contribution and your ongoing work and commitment to the creation of uh, this kind of win-win sustainable world. Thanks so much for being on today. Well, thank you, Mitchell. Thank you for the great work you're doing on A Better World Radio. Thank you for all of that, for amplifying every voice, Karen's today, mine as well, um, for your being part of that beautiful resonant field. And I know that I'll have the great pleasure of meeting you next week in New York, so I look forward to that as well. Indeed. I'm looking so forward to uh, the luncheon, which is really a special event, folks, as well as the symposium, which just really further expands and deepens the whole sentiment of everything that we've been talking about here today. So, uh, John Symes, thanks again for being on with me and uh, sharing these this treasure trove, talk about treasure troves. So appreciate it. Thank you, Mitchell. Happy Thanksgiving to you to everybody. Thanks Cheerio. to you too and all. Yeah. God bless. Well, you have heard it directly from the outreach director 
who changed his entire life. He moved from the UK and having a, you know, a rather lucrative consultancy, going around the world doing trainings, uh, to getting in touch with a deeper rhythm of his heart and his soul. <clears throat> and coming to a place where he decided to absolutely relocate uh, himself and probably his family to the west coast of the United States, San Francisco area, to uh, take a job at the Pachamama Alliance and and further advance this set of values and this kind of thinking. Because, you know, in reality, we know we're all going in this direction. It's sort of like, when do you want to hop on instead of if you're going to? It's just a matter of time. Any other paradigm ultimately is self-destructive, self-defeating, and really a form of suicide. It just It's really just kind of that simple. So if you love life and you are passionate about this beauty of our earth and of all of the various cultures, you will want to play in this game, the Pachamama game or others. It's all good. Uh, this happens to be one that's sort of uh, upon us here in New York next week. There's a limited number of space folks uh, for uh, both the luncheon and the symposium. So if you are interested, I would very much urge you to go forward and uh, get yourself signed up while there's still room in both. Both, uh, well, all three events are actually for free, uh, but be clear, the uh, they are fundraisers, the luncheon in particular, and the rest are how-to, networking, and learning about the particulars of the Pachamama Alliance uh, worldview which I think you will find if you're listening to this show with any regularity is very much akin to your own. So with that said, I want to just thank you all for joining and know that we too live on donations at a betterworld.tv. There's a wonderful little yellow donate now button, which we always appreciate no matter what the size, all sizes help and work and uh, are always so appreciated. So uh, we also have various uh, healing, energy balancing um, offers on our website as well. All monies that come into us through any means are used to continue and sustain our media and our work as an organization. So thank you again, and uh, visit us, get on our website and get our newsletter and become an official part of the A Better World community and family. Thanks so much, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great and wonderful Thanksgiving.